I have wrestled a little bit with this message. Troubled even. Because it's really, really hard to not see or come to the Christmas season and not see how easily, how easily we miss the reason for the season. It's not an indictment against anyone or saying anything is wrong or bad. It's just we live in an age where somehow it seems like we're drifting further and further away from the truth. So I wrestled with this message. And as I wrestled with the message, and I'm just bringing you into my space, I said, Lord, every Christmas we preach messages that talk about the birth. And it becomes very common to use this time and this opportunity to retell the story. And we've been retelling the story of the birth of Jesus Christ over and over and over again. Christmas after Christmas after Christmas, and I wondered to myself, is it profiting the saints of God anything? And will this message profit anybody anything to hear me tell the story again? So I wrestled with God, and I said, Lord, how can I bring a message about this Christmas season without falling into the trap? of simply telling the story one more time. A story that we have all heard over and over and over again since we were children. And I wrestled with God. And whenever I wrestle with God with messages, it usually means that, and I'm being honest, when I stand before you to preach it, I ain't quite sure what it is that God wants to say. And I, like you, have to wait till the very last minute for God to show up and show out. But he led me to a text. He led me to the book of Isaiah. The ninth chapter and the second through the seventh verses. A very familiar text. One not often preached during the time of the Christmas season. We use the words, but we somehow, sometimes, miss where God is. And so my prayer is simple, and it's simply that God do it one more time. Show up not for the preacher, but for the preacher and the people. Yes, sir. Isaiah, the ninth chapter, and the second through the seventh verses, it reads as follows. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of a harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. As at the battle of Midian, 
for every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Archbishop Fulton Sheen, in his seminal work called The Life of Christ, makes the argument that history is full of men who have claimed that they have come from God or that they themselves were even gods or that they bore messages from God. Men such as Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, Jesus, and many others. All of these men claiming to either be coming from God or are God or have messages from God. Archbishop further stated that each of them have a right to be heard and considered. And I agree with him. If for nothing other than the simple fact that you sitting here, many of us sitting here in this church right now, probably believe that while we believe that there is only one God, some of us, not all of us, may hold to this idea that there may be many ways to get to him. But the thing that I find most fascinating and to which Jesus is distinguished from all the others is the fact that none of them, their birth was foretold. Now you may say, Pastor, that's not such a big deal. But let's think about this for a moment. As I said, I wrestled with this message. If you or I were God, and we were sending a Messiah or a Savior to come and to rid this world of sin and all that it is, would you not tell the people to expect that Savior? Or at least provide some way to authenticate his identity if you were God? Case in point, if a diplomat from another country comes to the United States and said that he was representing his government, at the very least, he would have to show us his passport and any other document that would validate his identity. Furthermore, if his mission was of diplomatic importance, a letter would probably have gone before alerting us that he was on his way. Well, if such proofs are required from diplomats and delegates from other nations, I think that it is reasonable to think that a God who is sending a savior, a diplomat from heaven, would at least give us some kind of advance notice.
none of these people, Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, you name them all, none of them came with a foretelling or a, an announcement of their coming. None of them. But Jesus alone. So the prophet Isaiah, in his tenure under the wicked ruler Ahaz, a time of great, great stress and strife in Judah, he gave us this text that we've read. And this is one of, out of all of his prophecies, this one is considered one of the great prophecies of Isaiah. And it was to this king Ahaz, who had turned away from the Lord, that Isaiah declared one day God himself would take on human form. One day a virgin would have a child and he would be the son of God. One day the child will sit on the throne of David. And one day this, this child would usher in justice and righteousness. The prophet Isaiah said that one day the Messiah would come and when he comes to his kingdom, there would be no end. But Isaiah wasn't the only one who was saying this because there was another prophet by the name of Micah. And Micah said, Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are one of the smallest towns in Judah, but out of you I will bring a ruler for Israel whose family line goes back to ancient times. In other words, Micah not only prophesied that the Savior would come, but he prophesied where he would come from. I'm going through all of this to say that these prophecies came well before the coming of Jesus Christ. And they stand as validation unlike all the others who claim to be either from God or of God or have a message from God, Jesus was the only one who was pre-announced in all of history. And so today, as we get ready to celebrate this birth, I want to speak from the title, quite simply, Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Let us pray. Father, we've said these words so many times over the years. God with us. Emmanuel, wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. We've, we know all the words and all the names to call. But Lord, somehow, it seems, Lord, we need to be reminded that you're not a distant God, that you're not someone far away in the heavens, that you are so unrelatable that with us, with all of our challenges, our issues, and our struggles, that we are not even worthy to call upon your name. But you humbled yourself, and you came as a baby in a manger. You came, Lord, to dwell among us. And so, Lord, open up our hearts that we may understand what it means to call you Emmanuel. God with us. Open up our hearts, Lord. Open up our minds, Lord. And Lord, we will be so grateful. Ever, ever so grateful. 
to give your name all the glory, the honor, and the praise as we celebrate your coming and your being with us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, that was my introduction. <laughs> Make no mistake about it, Jesus is the only figure in all of history whose birth, as I told you, was foretold thousands of years before it actually happened. And with such detail, it cannot be disputed if we are to claim intellectual honesty. Listen, Socrates never told, no one ever told anybody about Socrates' birth. Confucius didn't have the name of his mother or even his birthplace recorded. There were no predictions about Buddha or Muhammad or anyone else, but there was predictions about the Christ. Now, 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 I do not have time in this message to go through all of the scripture references that predicted Christ, but suffice it to say, all I want you to walk away with right now is that there's no other figure in all of human history that can make a claim to divinity and also have the passport, the visa, the plane ticket, and the letter to validate it. Jesus got it all. And in fact, so significant, watch this, so significant was his arrival that, 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 that he, he actually split human history into two periods, dividing it from before he came and dividing it after he came. In other words, you got B.C. and you got A.D. That's how powerful this Jesus is. Split human history into two. Listen, listen, listen. We can say all that we want about all these other ways to get to, to God. People can have all their beliefs, but let's be clear. When you talk about splitting human history, Buddha didn't do that. Confucius didn't do that. Muhammad didn't do that. And for those of you who are maybe Rastafarians who are thinking about it right now, Selassie didn't do that either. So the point that I'm making is that Jesus, as a human figure in history, has done something that nobody else could ever make any claim about. So the point I'm making is simply this. The things that separate Christ from all these other people is that he was expected while none of them were. Listen, you don't even go to your next door neighbor's house for Christmas dinner or whatever it is without even telling them that you're coming. Amen. Unless you just feel like showing up. So what I'm trying to tell you is that when you think about God and you think about God's plan, God did something so amazing that he didn't just show up at your doorstep. He told you he was coming. So the point is, when you have your Christmas dinner, the question to ask is, guess who's coming to dinner? Jesus, if he's getting ready to put a, bring a blessing into your life and into mine, rest assured that he's going to tell you about it. Why? So that when it does come to pass, you can give nobody else the glory. For God will not share his glory with neither Confucius, nor Buddha, nor any of them. You can name everybody you want. You can name them all kinds of names, but none of them can claim the name that is above every name, that at that name every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord of all. I don't know what you're hearing and I don't know where this message is going, but what I'm trying to tell you is that Jesus is not only the reason for the season, I'm telling you Jesus is the season. Jesus is the season. He ain't no reason for nothing. He is. How do I know that to be true? He says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one, no Confucius, no one comes to the Father but by me. You can pray all you want to a Muhammad. You can pray all you want. And listen, I ain't dissing nobody. I'm simply telling you that Jesus is who he says he is. So, recognize. No one can walk in his shoes. No one can claim what he has claimed. No one can open blind eyes. No one can walk on water. No one can make the deaf hear. No one can raise the dead. And if that weren't enough, he raised himself from the dead. That's how good he is. He says, listen, no one takes my life. I lay it down. Why do I lay it down? So that I can show you I can take it up again. So listen, make no mistake about it. We ain't following no fables or no fancy stories. I am telling you, my brothers and my sisters, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, it is one thing to have an expectation and it not be, and not come to pass. It's an entirely different thing to have an expectation and it be fulfilled. This is Emmanuel. God with us. And my brothers and my sisters, I want you to understand the significance of what I'm telling you. It's not just that God was with us. It's that God came to us. You see, we have a thing in our minds of thinking that we can go to God. Listen, you, you ain't even got that power or authority. You can't just take it up on yourself to go to God. We sing the songs, yeah, I can go to God in prayer. Listen, you can't go to the king until the king calls you. So if you're running somewhere and you think that you have a right to go to the king, trust me, you ain't going to the king. You may be going to a king, but you ain't going to the king. Because when the king calls you, the king already has made a way for you. Jesus ain't, listen, God ain't sending Jesus nowhere that he didn't what? First prepare the way. John the Baptist said, listen, hey, hey, John the Baptist was one, a voice crying out in the wilderness, repent, make ye the way of the Lord. He is coming. So what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we are in this Christmas season and we are excited about giving gifts and Christmas trees and decorations and all of that. Listen, this is how I want you all to think about it. For every tree that you put up, for every light that you put up, for every decoration that you put up, you're announcing his coming. We're going to take over this Christmas spirit. We're going to say, listen, yeah, it's a little pagan ritual, but listen, I'm lighting the way. For what? He is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my pathway. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Jesus is coming. He is coming. He is yet on his way. So, so, so let's talk a little bit about this God with us. I, I don't know how I feel my help coming. Uh, let, let's talk about this God with us. Because I think that the culture has it a little twisted. Some people, we need to get back to who Jesus is. He's not just, he's not just some little figurine that you put on your mantle place. He, he's, he's not just some little, some little nice little ornament that you decorate on a tree and say, yeah, that's baby Jesus. <laughs> Listen, let's find out what we mean by Emmanuel, yes, God with us. Yeah, yeah. And let me digress for a minute, <laughs> just for a brief minute. Here's what the scripture says. If God be for us, 
who can be against us? So, 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 so if God says, Emmanuel, God is with us. In a way, in a roundabout way, God is kind of saying, who else, no one else can be with you. I, I think you missed that. If God is with you, then no one else can be with you because if they were with you, then they would be equal to God and God shares nothing with anyone else. That's why God said, listen, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Absolutely none. So, so when you say, Emmanuel, God with us, you're saying everything else, I am not with you. Praise the Lord. It is very common for churches to be filled with people that we have not seen for most of the year. It's going to get hurtful. Very, very common for churches at this time of the year to be filled with people that we haven't seen all year. And, and, and I thought about this and I said, why is that God? Why, why is it that that, that that is the case? I, I want to try to understand. And the only reason I could come up with is that Christmas really has become a time stamp in our cultural tradition to which many people are just culturally conditioned to observe. It's just another time in our calendar that we just observe. And, and I said, but, but, but God, that's not good. Now, what I'm thinking, and I want you to stay with me for a while because we're going somewhere. It, it's not that you don't hold firm beliefs about your faith. And I'm talking to those who we only see seasonally. It's not that you don't have firm beliefs in your faith, but, but more so, I think, is that it's a nice thing to do around this time of year because it's a way of convincing yourself and others that you are a good person. Now, please don't be offended. For the truth is, you are in very great company with the millions of people that share the same point of view. And if you think I am kidding, and I gotta give it like I got it, if you think I am kidding, we'll have the same conversation again around Easter. But the church, in many ways, is to be blamed for that. Because we, we have not fully embraced and explain to people an understanding of the Christian calendar and exactly what this Christmas season is about. We have bought into the commercialization of Christmas with Santa and presents, the nativity scenes, the Christmas lights, and the decorations. And while those things are nice, we have bought into a cultural dynamic that perpetuates something other than what Jesus is about. We exchange gifts that do little more than feed our materialistic nature and our rabid individualism, than express our genuine love and concern for each other. I know this is painful. Jesus, for the most part, has been removed from being the reason for the season. And if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, and church, listen, we can have a council meeting afterward, but if you don't believe me, just look at the way that the Christ in Christmas has been replaced with the X in Xmas. So the Christ who came, that Emmanuel, is now all but gone. Relegated 
to a symbol of a season that says spend more, spend more, spend more. So what does this mean, Pastor? And why are you being so harsh on Christmas? What this means is that we're not only becoming a Christless world, church, but we're really becoming a godless world. Now, don't get it twisted into thinking that I'm going up, going down some right-wing evangelical diatribe, or for they're just as guilty as any left-leaning, liberal, progressive miscreant, but that I'm talking to you about, about moral and unbiased leadership in the church. We follow God. We are not a democracy. We are a theocracy, which means that the head of what we have signed up for is not a Republican or a Democrat. It's not an independent or a mayor. It is God. God and God alone. And he does not cut both ways. If I remember, Jesus is neither conservative nor liberal. He ain't Republican or Democrat. He ain't neither elephant nor donkey. And anyone claiming to have a right to use Jesus for, to advance their own selfish agenda will be gravely, gravely disappointed when they find him flogging them with the cord as he expels them from the temple with all the other money changers. What we see happening around us is that the church and everyone has chosen to ignore what's going on. That world has become antagonistic to the things of God. The world seems to be pushing back on morality, yes. decency, yes. kindness, love, harmony. The world is saying that is not the way. Yes. We are becoming a godless society and it's yes. getting worse. Yes. Gender confusion. <laughs> Wholesale, open season on divorce. People's word means nothing anymore. School shootings and gang violence. Gross intolerance, racism that was always there but now has found a place in popular society. Global warming and climate change. It's all around us. Human trafficking and increased sexual immorality. In other words, the scriptures told us that there would be wickedness increasing. And we see it. But we want to act like it's not going on. It's going to be okay. Leaders of governments can parade around with lies and immorality. And we go, that's okay. That's just him. What has happened to us? And worse, my brothers and sisters, what has happened to the church? What has happened to us? I can only preach to the congregation in front of me. And all I'm telling you right now, believe it or not, my brothers and my sisters, pray for me. Because that ain't on my manuscript. I am just where God has me right now. Something is dreadfully wrong. But, but, while all of these things are going on, <laughs> while we are alarmed at some of these things, it ain't new. This, this increase in ferocity and, and for some reason where people have become so desensitized to truth and reality that they don't even know the world is falling apart right? It ain't new. Listen, 
It's as if the world is getting darker and darker. People no longer know what the truth looks like. People are struggling, struggling to find something to believe in. But there is nothing new under the sun. We've seen this movie before. Let's see what Isaiah had to say. Isaiah said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. In other words, the darkness, brothers and sisters, that we are beholding right now in this nation and in this world will not last forever. Why? Because a great light is about to shine. But, but, but Isaiah wasn't done. Uh, he says, for you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian, for every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. Let me tell you what that means. What he's saying is when this light appears, it shall bring relief to the burdens that we bear from our various oppressors. Isaiah is saying, listen, you got outrageous financial debts. You, we got an unfair justice system. We've got income inequalities and inequities. Whatever burdens you feel you may bear. Listen, Isaiah is saying, watch this. He says, you, you, the rod of the oppressor is about to be broken. And the cloak, the cloak as in one worn by like a Roman soldier is going to be what? It's going to be, it's going to be together with his boot, going to be dipped in blood. And together with his boot will be burned and made into something useful for the oppressed. Uh, Y'all got to read the scriptures. But, 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 but I said, but according to Isaiah, who will this light be? Because let's face it, Jesus already came and was born in a manger. So, so how are we in this day and age to understand and interpret Isaiah? Well, Isaiah says, this is what the light will bring. He says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Against the backdrop of Judah's sin and wickedness under the evil King Ahaz, against the backdrop of all of this stuff that was going on, the people, no different than you and I right now, were walking in great darkness. They had a leader in Judah. And this leader, he, 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 he was about to be impeached. This leader, he, he was a hot mess, if you see what I'm saying. This leader has fooled so many people into thinking that he was the Messiah. Said it. This, this leader, now, now, I'm, now I'm, I'm jumping back and forth between Judah and now. This, this leader, this leader is, is, is something where he colludes with foreigners. As a matter of fact, if you read about Ahaz, Ahaz himself was, was, was offering idols to all of the neighboring nations 
around Judah. In other words, he was saying, y'all can do our, y'all can participate in our elections. Ahaz was a hot mess. The people were in great darkness. And it is against this backdrop that Isaiah made this prophecy. Now, if what Isaiah said was true, Matthew picked it up. Matthew said, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this, Matthew said, took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, here's why this is important. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you are in a distress in your life, and you are in darkness, God's pattern never changes. When a nation is suffering and struggling, God sends a deliverer. When Israel, when the Hebrews were struggling, God sent them Moses. But there was a spiritual condition that was so depraved that God did what? He said, listen, I'm going to send you myself. And he sent Jesus, born as a babe in a manger. That Jesus became the light that Isaiah spoke about. That light. Now, now what you need to know about God is when he does something, he does it well. So now we say to ourselves, Lord, what does this mean for us today? Here is what it means. And I'll make it real simple and easy for you to understand. We are walking right now in darkness. We are in need of a great light. So I say to myself, then when are you sending this deliverer? Listen, he's already come. <laughs> I think you missed it. You see, you see, that same light has already come. Which means, now, now, now stay with me, which means that this same Jesus, whose birth was foretold by the ancient prophets, this same Jesus that while shepherds watched their flocks by night and they saw a what? A shining star. This same Jesus who, who, who hosts of angels sang Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. The, the same Jesus whose parents were refused and were told that there was what? No room at the inn. The, the same Jesus who was then forced to be born in a manger among sheep. And goats. Uh, he, the same Jesus who was wrapped in swaddling clothes. This, this, this same Jesus that Herod wanted to destroy. This same Jesus who wise men came from near and far to witness and to see. Who then what? Gifted him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This same Jesus who will be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, eternal father, Prince of Peace, this same Jesus who was conceived 
by the Holy Spirit who was born of the Virgin Mary who suffered under Pontius Pilate who was crucified, died and buried who descended into hell who on the third day rose again from the dead who ascended into heaven and who sits at the right hand of God the Father this same Jesus is Emmanuel God with us And this same Jesus is coming again. And this time, when he comes, he will come to judge the quick and the dead. For centuries, Israel waited for a Messiah. Isaiah's prophecy needed to be fulfilled, and it was fulfilled in one night in a lonely manger in a place called Bethlehem, in that place, he came. God came to us to save us. This is the whole point of the celebration of this season that we call Christmas. It's a revelation from God if your spirits can handle it. The same God who created the heavens and the earth, the same God that created man and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and man became a living soul. This same God who parted the Red Sea when the people were stuck between a rock and a hard place. Do you hear me? This same God is the same God that you sense in the very depths of your own spirit who speaks softly to you when you are going through some kind of struggle in your life. He whispers a sound in your ear that says, I am with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. It's the same God, the same God who created all that we see. It's the same God that who is with you. And so, as I get ready to close, this is what this means. Despite what we see around us, despite what the world is doing, despite all of what's going on, we no longer have to live in the shadow of that darkness. We no longer have to live with loneliness and despair because we have not only seen, but we have experienced that great light. And that light shines in all of us and that light will increase our gladness that light will multiply our joy the Bible tells us let that light let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your other your father in heaven so I hope that this message has been something to you but, but, but let's be clear for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This is the real gift of the Christmas season. It is Emmanuel, God with us and no other person in all of history will ever be able to make that claim.
So my brothers and my sisters, may the spirit of this season cause your hearts to be filled with the love of God the Father through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of his Holy Spirit. Merry Christmas, and may the Lord richly bless you, my beloved.